kind of seeing what you know just how it goes for example do you know when we did our last podcast uh early 2021 <laughs> well actually i looked it up <laughs> before <laughs> before coming on and uh it was 13th of november 2020 oh wow really my lord yes. that was the last time we did one together and the last the the last one was one i did by myself <laughs> i'm not sure not sure why but anyway that was that even that was the 26th of january 2021 it gets away what what do you think it was <laughs> uh surely covid right no Ooh. well that last one so when actually when was covid March 2020? Yeah. And then, um, you know, everything just turned uh, for work. And, um, mm. and we would catch up more regularly in person to do yes. some of those podcasts. And uh, we just yeah. haven't had many um, in-person connections. No. Um, no. I'm putting it down to COVID, but maybe there's something more, Stan. Have you been uh, actively avoiding it? <laughs> no, actually, I think you're right. It probably is COVID because in the last couple of years, I've hardly really gone out to UQ. Yeah. Obviously, we've been locked down at certain times and um, and then at other times, it just sort of haven't got back into the swing of it, mm -hmm. I must admit. And you've got a terrific series going. Uh, you've had actually a couple of series going. I think you did a series interviewing different uh, psychologists and then yep. was it is, is another series too or is it the extension of the in a t-shirt series or but I, I thought it pivoted at some point yes I, I've been um, <laughs> mucking around with this for a while last year we did do the in session series and so that's had a lot of uh, CFT and other compassion-based therapists from around the world, actually. And, and yeah, cool. um, I can't remember how many of those we actually did, but um, yeah, that was, that was a good series. And then there's a, the, just the compassion in a t-shirt keeps going. Um, yeah. I, uh, I, I've actually set myself the goal of doing weekly videos this year. Oh, and so wow. far, I've, I've managed to do weekly videos, but in order to make that happen, there was actually another little series called, um, oh, I can't remember, Com Compassion 180, I think it was. So it was That's like, it. yeah, three minutes of yeah. some sort of topic around compassion. And the idea there was to um, make it slightly easier to post every week because I only had to yeah. do three minutes of content. Oh, because, that's a really good idea. Uh, well, it I mean, wasn't the, that. It wasn't that popular. Wasn't that popular? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. It's 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 interesting. It's interesting, and I think it wasn't that popular, possibly because of what it was and the content and stuff. <laughs> but I also think that YouTube uh, doesn't appreciate yeah. short three minute videos and so you it doesn't work the algorithm that's yeah, the weird bit that i'm sort of 
learning and trying to kind of work with is is this this notion of the YouTube algorithm and how it shares and how people find you and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I have no idea. But, uh, that surprised me. I would have thought three minutes would have been a lovely kind of, you know, snippet or bite uh, that yeah. people would able to easily attend and tune out. That was my idea. Yeah. Quick little, <laughs> yeah, a quick it little bite. Good. It sounded really good <laughs> at the time. <laughs> But it, it got, uh, the other thing I was doing with that though too is um, I looked up on the internet um, 10 great ways to start a speech. And so I did 10 three-minute videos, each with a sort of a slightly huh. you know, different way to start a speech. You know, something you might not guess about me or um, <laughs> I hate to admit it, but you know, all these different... so I, was, <laughs> I was practicing that as well. Are you going to release those? Yeah. That's all the three minute ones. Oh, I... <laughs> yeah. They all, they all start. There's 10 of them and they all start with, with a different little kind of different... little way Damn. in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, all that effort. I'm there so was a lot sorry. of effort there. I don't think I don't think anyone overly noticed that. Uh, but you always start things out very interestingly and engaging. Well, engage. well, I think the thing is that this is just my little hobby. It's just my little creative yeah. hobby, and it's just fun to. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's involves, it involves writing, it involves speaking, it involves, you know, playing with cameras and, you know, kind of the technology side. It involves the, the, the trying to be creative with editing. I mean, it's, it's, I'm not great at it, but it's, yeah, that, that's what it is. It's just sort of a oh, fun it sounds, Yeah, you can see hobby. you're having fun with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually, what I, what I do, sorry, I'm, I'm making this a lot about myself at the moment, but anyway, um, <laughs> what I do is I, do the video and then I take the audio and put it up on the compassion initiative podcast as well. So the audio also gets shared up there. Um, yeah. And have the audio clips got more playtime uh, for the, the 180s? Yeah, actually. I mean, it, it, the, actually it is interesting because I did a little, uh, did a little kind of stat of my own where I looked at the average views on my of all my episodes on the YouTube channel. And I looked at the average views of all my episodes on the, of my episodes on the podcast. So not including some of your outstanding contributions that have thousands and thousands of listens, but, um, but just, just the stuff that I kind of pulled out of my YouTube and on average, my YouTube episodes have just about 500 listens. And on average, my podcast, the same content, has about a thousand listens, and so oh course, really yeah so it's it's sort of it was interesting actually yeah I mean it's all fairly modest numbers you know compared to some of the big names but and and obviously there's I, I presume there's like a, a a sort of a what do you call that again in statistics a normal distribution or... yes I'm just motioning with my hands <laughs> uh, normal <laughs> dis I'm sure there's a normal distributions. Thank God I'm here with a, a, a stats whiz. But, um, and um, so, yeah, some are uh, 
viewed or listened to a lot more and some are viewed or listened to a lot a lot less but i did think it was interesting because i promote the heck out of the youtube episodes whenever i release one and i never promote the podcast ones at all and yet that gets double the listens yeah that's amazing i didn't i wouldn't have thought that it's an interesting little quirky finding i think but but what's what's sort of really inspiring you at the moment maybe on a personal front but what about you know maybe also in terms of work what what are your what's inspiring you (laughs) you've stumped me um what's inspiring me um at the moment i just kind of feel like i'm looking forward to the finish line of the year (laughs) really it's so busy at the moment yes um maybe uh uh, the big one is uh where uh you know i supervise a a team thesis with uh, 21 honors students with uh, Mm. my colleague uh, dr chase sherwell and my uh, phd student deanna varley and um, we're right at that crunch time now of analysing some uh, data uh, mm. that we've had come in really over the last uh, 18 months. So um, I'm really excited to see uh, what we find or, uh, in, in, in these results. Um, it's always a bit, uh, you, have, you have this anticipation <laughs> that mm. comes with it um, and you're, you're very excited to see what comes and, of course, you start running a few things and something doesn't work. And, you, you know, so you're going, hang on, what have we done incorrectly with our uh, pre-screening or processing or cleaning of data? And um, wow. So we're in that kind of phase at the moment and um, very excited to see what comes from that because, as I mentioned, that this project's been about 18 months in the, pro- in, in, in the timeline mm. uh, or in the works and um, be cool to see what we find. I remember I... I- Many years ago, I was working with a, a professor <clears throat> in a whole different field, but uh, he, he referred to that as, as sort of an academic orgasm. When, <laughs> when, you, when the results come in and it's significant, you know, it, it perhaps apparently feels something like that. Oh. <laughs> Not, quite that good? <laughs> Not quite that good. <laughs> So what's the topic of this this whole project then this 18 month journey what 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 have you what have you actually been looking into free flowing here isn't it um uh what do you call it up let me just <laughs> i'm not gonna say <laughs> um what what yeah uh we're looking at a couple of things really there's been a lot of moving parts uh, to this project so it's been um Kind of, it feels relatively straightforward, but um, really complicated. But essentially, uh, we're just trying to have a look at uh, how compassion is experienced uh, in everyday life. So uh, we've been uh, trying to capture the experience of compassion as people uh, have those moments in their day-to-day living. So, you know, we kind of rely so strongly on our self-report scales that try to capture um people's kind of, you know, overall sense of uh, their compassion. Um, but we know there are so much, so many kind of contextual nuanced factors that can, excuse me, shape uh, if someone's compassionate or not. So what we do is uh, we just send people uh, seven text messages a day on their phone 
um, asking them if they've had an opportunity to be uh, compassionate and uh, just trying to tap into that uh, first uh, dimension of Paul's, uh, uh, Paul Gilbert's definition of compassion, which is, uh, you know, have you had the opportunity? So have you noticed suffering? Right. And then, uh, and then we ask, uh, uh, you know, did you take action uh, to help? Um, and then we kind of ask in about that experience. So who was the person? Was it a stranger or a close person? Did you like them? Uh, how, what, what emotional experience did you have? Uh, was it intense? Was it distressing? Did you take the perspective? Um, these sorts of things. Um, did it feel good, you know, to help or whatever? Uh, so we're kind of asking those kinds of things about that experience. So in trying to get a sense of, well, who are the people who generally receive your compassion uh, mm. in everyday life? And, and do, you, do you experience that as more of a positive or more of a negative? So trying mm. to capture it. And also we ask uh, randomly amongst that, you know, uh, explain the situation for us uh, in a sentence or two. So that'll be interesting to see what open text responses we kind of get um, mm. qualitatively. Um, you know, is the suffering always something about a certain emotion or something else um, mm. and how that might relate to the target. So there are a range of different kind of elements there, um, uh, which makes it very exciting but complicated as well uh, mm. to analyse statistically. So uh, thankfully I've got uh, Chase and Deanna uh, uh, you know, as support people who are really uh, steering the ship, uh, mm. so to speak, with this. And uh, so we're going to dig into some of that. Mm. Do, does each of the seven texts per day have each of those questions? Yeah, so it's the same items. Mm. Uh, so if they say no to something like that, we counterbalance it with other items. So the participant just doesn't say no to make it get, to get through it quickly kind of thing. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Because that can kind of sometimes be, uh, be something that happens. Um, mm. But yeah, they asked uh, questions about their emotional experience in the moment, what they're doing right now. And, um, and then if they've had an opportunity to be compassionate or not. And uh, we look at compassion both uh, towards others and self. Mm. Yeah. In, in a, the, I don't know if you remember that I did a recent one with um, Marcella and a bunch of other people uh, and asked people to, to give, you know, free, free text answers yeah. to examples of, of compassion across the three flows, really. And one of the interesting findings there in a way was that a number of responses um, you know, might not necessarily have been categorized as compassion um, mm. from that point of view of, you know, mm. the Gilbert de definition and the notion of suffering and, and so on and so forth. I mean, have you, have you noticed in any of the data already that, that that's coming up or are people already primed with what really compassion is? And so they kind of, they, they see it. Great question. We, the participant comes into the lab in the first instance and we do a range of um, uh, kind of assessments with them, measuring their uh, physiological systems. We measure uh, the parasympathetic regulation and so on using heart rate variability. Um, and we also collect a, 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 you know, some self-report data on those traditional measures. But then at that point, we also uh, show them how 
these text messages work so they can get them on their phone. We, we uh, pilot test that with them to make sure it all is working fine. But in that time too, we also give them the definition of compassion that uh, we're kind of uh, using for this study. So we kind of describe this is what we mean by compassion. It involves these two parts. We do talk about that and give them a tip sheet actually on that information, hoping that they then complete uh, those uh, you know, we call this like experience sampling. So we mm. hope they those experience sampling uh, messages with that definition in mind. Mm. Yeah, that's the, that's the idea. Because you're absolutely right. Like, um, if we didn't do that, uh, people will come with their own kind of ideas or or views about what compassion is, which might not fit uh, with what we're trying to perhaps uh, measure. So yeah, yeah, totally. Mm. And that paper was great. Is that the paper? Uh, you did where you looked at uh, what other associations came up uh, for like a Portuguese sample, Australian sample, or is this a different paper? Yeah, no, that's the one. It was um, uh, Australian, Singaporean and, and Portuguese. And ah, we gave them a whole, I think we gave them a list of 30 words to choose from. And then they chose their top three uh, words that they would associate with compassion. Uh, yeah. And then we asked them, and self-compassion, and then we asked them to um, also give little free text examples of, of compassion. And, and so, um, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, well, but this, this is the, the interesting thing for me was that, you know, the, 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 the number of people was, was much less who chose CFT-ish words like wisdom, strength, courage, yeah. commitment, you know, those words were chosen less compared to words like um, kindness, empathy, um, acceptance, and so on. So it was sort of, it was just interesting to see, uh, you know, kind of like, because I think it's important when working in compassion-focused therapy, how do we sort of get a shared understanding of what we even mean by uh, compassion? I suppose, and and if compassion is thought directly of as kindness, mm. for example, people might feel much more reluctant to be really just kind of kind to themselves. That can feel difficult, maybe for for people. Whereas, uh, you know, bringing wisdom and strength to a situation uh, might kind of resonate differently. So it was just interesting to see how people are actually kind of conceptualizing compassion, the words they're associating with compassion, the kind of examples that, that they're giving? Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, one of the things I've been interested in um, a little bit is about, you know, this idea around, um, you know, and, and this isn't novel new by any stretch, but compassion having energy. So, oh. yet, so often kind of how we might use words to describe compassion commonly, like what you've just been saying, is this idea um, that it might be warmth. Um, uh, now, kindness can conjure different things, but often when I think about, think about kindness, it's more gentle perhaps um, and so on. Um, but there can be like this sense that compassion is more about um, maybe uh, comforting or consoling, which has a bit more of a, a low kind of energy intensity about mm. it very mm. positive and connecting but a low intensity yet when i think of um 
a lot of compassionate examples. There's a lot of energy, you know, taking action, getting yourself motivated um, to do something. We often need an energy force, uh, particularly when it's, you know, really intense, mm. part of immediate or acute suffering. Um, so I've been thinking more about energy uh, and energy state and how we can often do meditations or so on to bring down, but how do we, you know, kind of ramp up to kind of thing um, mm. and how it links into compassion. Yes. I think that that's, that's a very interesting, I'm interested in the word energy um, yeah. and, and how on earth that might be conceptualized and, and <laughs> defined and so on. I mean, I, I, I obviously, yeah, it's sort of, conveys this idea of something more upregulating rather than necessarily sort of downregulating and softening and soothing, but rather having that sort of energy and, and drive to take action. Mm, Um, In CFT, in CMT, uh, you know, there's, there's a slide there um, that, you know, sort of says strength and courage are often the key sort of thing, you know, compassion is not necessarily um, just um, sort of, well, certainly isn't weak and not necessarily even warm and fuzzy, although it can be, but often strength and courage are the key. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And Paul's even um, got some meditations now where he's got kind of like this music, uh, which has kind of got like a, an upregulating kind of beat to it, I suppose, to use that kind of uh, language you use that uh, down and upregulating um, mm. that kind of, you know, um, music, which is almost like an awe-inspiring kind of thing, perhaps. But oh yeah, I'm trying to tap into this idea of, you know, getting us, you know, um, almost excited or, 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 or as you mentioned, um, upregulated, and meditating mm. on that um, as a different experience to, um, you know, a lot of meditations or imagery practices, which can often be about, um, you know, grounding or uh, slowing. Of course, in safe place imagery, there's a lot of um, opportunity there to go in this place of complete safeness and you're free to do whatever you want. What would you be doing? And a lot of energy can come into there where people are perhaps running or singing or doing something active. There can be an energy there, of course, but... um, in a lot of other instances, um, I don't find myself uh, kind of focused in on that kind of uh, up energy kind of stuff. Yes. As often as mm. I thought. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sometimes it's nice to think of the, the, the three circles as being kind of going around the three circles anti-clockwise, you know, that idea of we might be threat system activated. And so we might first move to soothing system you know in a sense creating a, 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 a the, the kind of you know safe haven thing where we return to a sense yeah. of safeness or calmness and there there could be a, a sort of a softening or a slowing there and then from there that's the secure base from which we move out to drive system which might be more about sort of getting back up again and and getting yeah, yeah. out and exploring and and you know trying things on yeah that's really cool so I, I'm interested to see if some of that comes through on these experience samples. So yeah. when people are talking about their everyday compassion, are they feeling these higher level sort of um, uh, aroused uh, or intense emotions of um, 
sort of action. Um, whereas in a self-report scale, it's often um, kind of like, you know, I had feelings of warmth towards the person or something like that. So mm. um, just trying to give the, the, the person the opportunity to put down whatever emotion that might be, but kind of getting a sense of um, the variation, because I think there'd be a lot of variation dependent on, on the context, which is, of course, very uh, CFT. <laughs> but, um, you know, a lot of the time, the way we kind of measure it in the lab, uh, sorry, in, in, in self-report is, is more about perhaps those qualities of um, presence and warmth and acceptance and, and so on, which are obviously crucial as mm. well. Um, but just trying to see if what, what kind mm. of things... Uh, match where mm. there might be some slight differences just trying to get more of a picture of how mm. things yeah go. It, it's a kind of a it depends isn't it i suppose it, it sort of depends really on what the what the situation is what the suffering might be who that person might be the circumstances around all that then yeah. there's sort of our compassion might be textured in in different ways emotionally or physiologically yeah. and and so on. One of, one of the things I'm really interested in is um, getting this at least as baseline data. And then maybe down the line, if, uh, if I can ever get any grant money, <laughs> just keep getting rejected. Um, but then see, if we give uh, a group a compassion intervention, you know, who are the beneficiaries of that? Yes. So like if we were to continue to measure sort of pre and post using this experience sampling. And then in the middle, you do the compassion intervention, which might be four weeks or something. Anything, eight weeks, two weeks, whatever. Yeah. But it's, a, it's an intervention explicitly uh, aimed to cultivate compassion. At post, who, who are the targets? Like who receives all this extra compassion? And we hope that there is extra compassion being kind of expressed. Mm. Um, my kind of hunch is a lot of the people who uh, benefit after these compassion interventions are probably people in your inner circle. Yeah. Could be completely wrong. Um, often anecdotally when running a compassion intervention, people will often say, oh, I had a lot more uh, sort of compassion I noticed this week when I was at the supermarket. And, mm. you know, I kind of checked in with the, with the person serving me, asking them how they're going, you know, and actually had a conversation which is of course wonderful. So there could be, there could be a sense that it's happening a lot more for the people closest to me. That's a positive. It might also ha happen for just strangers who you really don't have a relationship with. Yes. Um, but does that therefore mean there's a greater magnitude of difference than that you recognize between your in and out groups after doing a compassion intervention? Like, is that uh -huh. magnified by the intervention? Like, you know, yeah, uh, I, that, that's kind of just stuff I'm, I'm curious about. Um, right. Yeah. I don't know what your thoughts are on, on any of that. You know, what's your kind oh, of it's, it's, it's fascinating. My, my first thought is I, I hope you get a grant to do it. <laughs> because <laughs> I've got all my fingers and toes crossed for you on that one. But, um, but, the, but the other, it, it's, a, it's a fascinating idea. I, my, I, a recent video <laughs> I did was, um, yeah, compassion is not boundless, which I, I mentioned also. Remember that uh, self-care and self-compassion workshop that you very kindly came yeah. to recently? And, yeah, it was and fantastic. It's, it was awesome. it's, 
this, I, I felt like I was just telling you plenty of stuff that you already knew. But anyway, the, 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 um, yeah, this idea that compassion isn't boundless, that there are various appraisals that we might make. And, and obviously one is, um, is this person similar to me or relevant to me or, you know, kind of mm. part of my kinship group or my friendship group or something like that? Uh, mm. Or are they outside of that? And, and then that creates a sort of a boundary and, and, you know, we're less likely maybe to take the time and effort and, and expense, you could even say, of, of being compassionate towards someone that's, that's in the out group. And so, of course, my whole thought there was, you know, like how do we gradually work with that and expand a little bit the target of our compassion so that we can recognise those unconscious appraisals or even biases yeah. work with them a bit and, and kind of expand. But what you're saying there is one possible outcome of cultivating more compassion, I think you said, is actually to create even greater distinction there between... Well, it might. I, I don't think it's... Possibility. That's, I don't think that's the... <laughs> I don't right. think that the, that's the purpose at all. No, that's not um, the but purpose, guess- but it could be, yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like people <laughs> might become more compassionate like, and, and this is one of the areas that I've been, you know, just sort of pondering because it's just mm. everywhere is, is this whole idea of, of different, you know, kind of um, group identities and things like that. And, and you could imagine that someone might cultivate compassion and then be feeling even more compassionate towards someone who shares a, a sort of an identity, you know, element but therefore is less compassionate to those who are actually, you know, kind of outside or potentially somehow or other even opposed to, to that particular identity. I mean, we, we all know the various areas that are, that are kind of really tricky for us all at the moment. And so you like maybe the, the friend and family versus stranger distinction is one, but some of these more, um, sort of emotionally, viscerally felt, you know, aspects of identity. You, you might very much see um, further separation. It's an interesting hypothesis. Yeah, I was just thinking, you know, we've got uh, briefer interventions where you kind of just do it for a couple of weeks or just an online self-directed maybe, you know, I've delivered these and studied these. And I think it's fantastic if you're seeing more, you make it more accessible, easier to use, and so on. That's all great stuff, in my opinion. But if then, if they just, if it's just left at that, perhaps um, you might see these increases amongst the inner group, which I think is really important. My sense is, does it impact anything beyond? And, mm. and if it does, how does it do it? Is it just kind of like a delayed effect? Like, for example, you kind of spend energy on those closest to you first, and they mean the most to you. That all makes sense. Um, and then after you get a couple of wins on the board there and you're kind of feeling it and you're kind of getting a really good sense of it and you've addressed a couple of things that perhaps you've been putting off, you then just kind of naturally just widen out a little bit more. So maybe it's like a, a sleeper effect kind of thing. Mm. Um, I suspect it could work for people differently. Uh, yeah. But uh, I was just curious how the ripple occurs out because, uh, and I think this is what you kind of really touched on there, uh, is in a lot of these measures, we don't ever uh, specify the target. Um, now, right. in a lot of compassion practice work, you'll often start with like, you know, 
um, the target in, in like a traditional staged kind of uh, a meditation might be, you know, uh, towards myself, uh, towards someone close to me, you know, a friend, uh, acquaintance, stranger, someone you dislike. Um, but I think it, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm fascinated by this idea of maybe we should get a bit more specificity of target. Um, yeah. and, you know, we could bring in, okay, who, who, who's going to be the key target that we're going to look at yeah. um, in relation to this. And yeah. I know attachment scales and stuff often have, who's the target that you're going to be uh, reporting this uh, scale on? Um, right. Who's the what relationship target? Um, mm. I think we could do a little bit more of that in compassion. And that's yes. what I'm trying to do a little bit of with experience sampling, but just even putting in, even in therapy or in the group, who, who are you trying to target? I mean, we can do global kind of stuff as well, of course, but um, yeah, mm. the target is something I, I think is important. Even that idea of, of, yes, the fears of compassion scale, you know, presumably fears, blocks and resistances would vary greatly. I guess across different targets. Um, oh yeah, totally you would think great. that there would be certain blocks that might be there for someone close, but you know, certainly other blocks that might be there for strangers. Or, I, I mean, it, 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 the Dalai Lama quote that I like is, you know, like if we truly want to practice our compassion, then it's not our friends of who are easy to love, of course, mm. but it's our enemies. You know, they are the ones who give us the most trouble. And so they, our enemies are our, our best teachers or something like that. And, yeah. and um, yeah. I mean, that's kind of interesting too, isn't it? You know, like what if not, not only strangers, but enemies, you know, someone who, and, you know, using that word loosely, but, you know, someone who is, somehow or other across the divide, you know, or, or sort of has a different view or perspective or group mm -hmm. membership or, you know, and someone who maybe feels like we're at odds with in terms of, you know, perhaps competing for something and, and or even, even just sort of, um, you know, sort of soci socio-cultural kind of competition or something like that. Because if we can cultivate compassion for our enemies then you know that's kind of the holy grail almost or something. <laughs> <laughs> totally right and then i mean i think the extension questions from that are fascinating i just don't know how well we could do this in research but you know if the people close to you see geez you know stan's putting a lot of effort into these enemies um where's the compassion for, for me? Like in the in-group, you know, if you've got someone close, like, you know, your partner, yes. it's like, why are you spending all that time with them, helping them with this? You know, I've been yeah. asking you for yes. And so you've got all these relational uh, elements, um, which we kind of miss a little bit. Um, you know, how those who are receiving it are, are finding it, but also others close to us who see us invest time, as you mentioned, investment. Of, of time and energy and resource uh, into trying to be compassionate to these others. What's yeah. their kind of take on it and so on? Uh, I mean, I just think it, as, as Paula said, like, you know, so many times and, uh, you know, it's this idea that when you start, you think it's fairly simple, but when you dig into yeah. uh, it, can get pretty tricky pretty quickly um, without mm. people uh, 
you've been experiencing it and as you said appraising yeah no I, I really appreciate you you sort of mentioning that because i yeah i i feel like that is a real thing um sort of these days is is that uh to widen one's compassion you know across the divide or across the aisle risks negative mm. consequences with you know sort of potentially your own group and, yeah totally and and then there can be sometimes from what i've observed um you know kind of uh, well kind of consequences of of being cancelled and all the rest of it, it it's tif- difficult to have that more that sort of nuanced look and thinking about compassion and how to be compassionate broadly when the world does seem so divided in in, in some ways across different dimensions yeah totally i mean you know, sometimes the in-group members can be uh, the most severe in terms of punishment if you go to uh, be com- compassionate or extend that uh, kind of compassion to uh, an enemy, so to speak, like I'm thinking mm. mafia, stuff like that maybe as an extreme example. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but, you know, you've betrayed us kind of thing. How yes. can you help? Do you know what they represent? Um, Mm. those kinds of things uh, pop up but um stan i'm also curious as to what's inspiring you at the moment um you know kind of to flip the spotlight so to speak um and totally change potentially the trajectory of this conversation <laughs> yeah you know, uh, what, what, what's kind of inspiring you yeah well there's there's a few sort of little little wins i mean one of the the little wins lately that i'm really keen to to try to pursue is uh and this was the this was sort of i guess the talk that i recorded and sent in for the recent um uq meeting of the compassionate mind research group which i couldn't quite make make it there but i i guess it relates a little bit in a way to what you're saying and that is in clinical work as a and I use a lot of CFT in my work uh, we often do routine outcome measurement so we we measure outcome often in terms of you know psychological distress and and um, you know how the person is kind of going or maybe changing mm-hmm. with all of that but uh, I'm starting to use the we, we, you and I and Cassie and others all developed the um, compassion, motivation and action scale. And I'm starting to use that as a, as a routine measurement uh, to sort of see uh, if there's process changes that might be happening alongside symptom change. Um, it's only very early stages, but um, the, the, the CMAS is, is now on NovoPsych. And so I'm using the DAS-10 and the CMAS side by side to kind of measure outcome and, and process. Um, and so I'm fascinated to see how that might go. Uh, as I say, only very early stages, but it's a little bit like what you're saying, you know, really trying to, it, it doesn't have the same sort of specificity that, that you were really talking about before, but it does, it, it at least gets a bit of a clearer sense. What is the person actually doing? in their day-to-day yeah. life and how is that changing and how might that relate to um you know their their psychological well-being i guess oh 
Absolutely. It was funny. I was talking about that measure at that research meeting day. And I said something like, I don't know if we're calling it the CMAS or the CMAS. And then I think in your pre-record, you go <laughs> at some point, I don't know if we're calling it the CMAS. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Um, but yeah, yes. you weren't there to, to, to see it. But um, what are we called? Is it CMAS? I like CMAS. 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 Just, ah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. CMAS just doesn't see it, it doesn't roll quite as easily off, yeah. off the, the thing. Um, yeah, maybe the CMAS. It's got a sort of a <laughs> religious sound to it, but anyway. Oh, God. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even but, think of that. But um, no, there's, the CMAS is good. The CMAS is good. And, and it, it, it's with such confidence. I, I, I've, but I just, um, you know, it's it's that that is exciting to have that now kind oh. of more readily available. I'm I'm going to be doing a talk for NovoPsych to um, see if if others might be you know kind of gradually interested in in um, you know trying it out as well. Apparently, uh, Ben from NovoPsych says that he's using it in his his sort of work Super. and enjoys using that as a as a process measure. Um, the other thing, of course, James, is we have the UQ Compassion Symposium <laughs> coming up again this year after Woo! two years, you know, kind of in the wilderness. <laughs> uh, we're back and, you know, very with, with uh, uh, you know, kind of I humbly mention that, that I'll be doing the keynote address this year, which is cool. I think it, it, well, it's going to be, I think it's a good way to, to get it get us going again we've we've got some in it, it sort of plans to go back to the the international speaker type format next year perhaps but um mm. but yeah so it'll, it'll be good and i've i've i'm doing i'm already thinking and writing and and planning for the keynote i've got a few well a few little personal anecdotes to to share and and also little bits and pieces from from clinical work, but but maybe uh, you know quote some of the the ancients on all of this. So yeah, hoping it'll be it'll be good. And then on the Saturday, of course, we've got the 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 conference day as well. So we're currently still uh, receiving or or and calling for um, submissions for people to present. Oh, it'll be fantastic! I cannot wait on. I'm really excited about the talk. Um, what are you, I mean, what are your perhaps uh, hopes and fears with the talk, Stan? Well, um, yeah, I mean, I suppose the, the hope, my hope is to, well, firstly, um, you know, kind of kickstart the whole thing again and, and get the Compassion Symposium back up and running. Um, I'm actually really hoping that e even sort of, you know, lots of friends and family might come. I, I, I sort of feel this strange kind of proud feeling, you know, this is this, this compassion symposium. It, it began several years ago now, 2014, I think was our first one. And, and, um, and to be delivering the keynote is is very special for me, and and so I'm hoping that uh, you know kind of lots of people I know might kind of be there, and it sort of and create a, a celebratory feel. 
Plus, I, I, I'm not, I'm not wanting to give away any spoilers, but, um, uh, but there, there, there's a certain sort of element or, or kind of, uh, sort of aspect to my own experience in life that was, uh, it was tricky at the time, and, and um, has, you know, sort of come a long way since then, uh, which I'm going to sort of share a little bit about and and sort of talk about what that was like from the point of view of really sort of developing or well understanding and and maybe realizing and gradually developing sort of compassion across the three flows um so uh that'll that'll be kind of interesting to see what what people think about you know some of the the, the kind of the the aspects of one's own personal experience. Are, are, are you worried a little bit there about? It sounds very vulnerable. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I I have already um, you know sort of practiced little bits and gotten somewhat choked up. So it'll be interesting. This this isn't a fear. Uh, I I don't think like you asked about hopes and fears. I don't I I, I don't think emotion is a bad thing or anything, but, um, but yeah, I, I, it's, it's very moving for me just personally to reflect on some of these things. And, and, um, I think though, my idea is to, to get started on this early and to, to do a few practice runs. And I, I think I'll be mm-hmm. fine. So, um, Sounds unbelievable. I can't wait. I've, I've got a few little goosebumps just, uh, in anticipation. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm really kind of looking forward to it as well. I hope people come. That's probably my fear. That's my fear. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you'll have any worries there. Well, yeah, I hope people will come. And uh, uh, so uh, um, because uh, we've certainly had some some big names on the world stage prior to this. Um, and so, uh, you know, uh well, you know, I, I, I'm a much more modest name. <laughs> uh, so, uh, well, it is. It, it, we've got to be real about it. So hopefully, yeah, we're a bit, bit worried that, um, uh, you know, kind of people will come. So, but I think, yeah, we've already got a number of, of uh, registrations and it's coming in that people are rolling in. So hopefully that'll all be good. So that's, that's the other thing. It'll be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's the other main bit that's that's inspiring me oh likewise i can't mm. wait um to get back and connect with everyone and um mm. you know uh, that kind of uh, conference circuit uh has kind of kicked kicked off again at least in australia yeah in, in a really big way and um mm. it's just big energy from that like you know mm. being able to to talk in between sessions or at the morning teas or at the lunches and mm. uh Build friendships, which lead to you know uh, idea generation and, and yep. perhaps some um, collaboration, supervision, or collaboration in the future or study. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, quite a lot of that's happened since. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, you started this whole symposium mm. as you mentioned back in 2014. So some of the things that have occurred over uh, almost uh, 10 years, which is crazy, um, mm. has been mm. fantastic. Like I'm just thinking of some of those collaborations now we have with uh, Nathan Considine at the University of Auckland, yeah. um, which has just been brilliant. Um, mm. You know, and he's often come over to the symposiums and from that uh, papers have emerged. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, it's just been 
mean, that's just one person. There's, there's mm. plenty of plenty of others, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All from this, so it's it, it's been superb. It was a great yes. vision you had. Yeah, yeah, yes. Well, and and I appreciate you sort of being you know sort of integral to it all as well. Are you going yeah. to the Compassionate Mind Foundation conference in the end or no? Yeah, through luck and and, and uh, luck alone. Um, uh, there's a, a wonderful compassion researcher at the University of Exeter. Her name's uh, uh, Pro Associate Professor uh, Anka Karl, and she's done some really cool work looking at um, compassionate imagery um, and how that kind of ties into uh, uh, heart rate variability and three circles. And so she's looked at mm. Paul's tripartite model of affect regulation. Um, mm. And she's also done some work, I think, looking at intranasal oxytocin with compassion and imagery with Helen Rockcliffe mm. and Paul as well. So she's a bit of a gun. And um, uh, University of Exeter and the University of Queensland have a bit of a relationship where we can look at going for some grant money um, together on, on some scholarships and so on. And so uh, she reached out and uh, so I'm going to uh, get flown over and spend some time with her at Exeter uh, for a week coming up with some hopefully cool ideas uh, okay. and then hopefully we can uh, submit a grant and get some funding uh, and uh, after my time with her um, I'm going to either hire a car catch a train or a plane over to Edinburgh and catch um, at least uh, a day or two of um, I might get the whole thing um, mm. unfortunately okay. but um, yeah at least a day or two uh, I hope where I essentially just want to go and just listen and you know um not present anything mm. it's fantastic speaking yes yeah yeah two so of my I, phd students are presenting yes well well now graduated dr jeffrey kim and uh, dr alicia carter so to see them up there talking will be uh, uh very exciting for very me proud personally. moment for you james yeah <laughs> i mean i would i would definitely go every year but i've got no money to to kind of pay for it and uh you know we've got two young kids and you know being away from cast and stuff during that time's tricky mm. as well so um you know so uh, i remember one year when i went over cassie said take an extra week and go to morocco and have a holiday and no. uh, when i spoke to her about going this time said any chance of extending it a week and maybe going to iceland or something like that and she was like I don't know what I was thinking a couple of years ago when I suggested you extend. Like, I must have been crazy. You get back as soon as you possibly can. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't yeah. imagine the shoe on the other foot if she took off for two weeks looking after the two youngsters. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, oh, well, that's, that's a thing. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm not going this year, unfortunately, and I. Um, yeah. But I, but I am going to the Mint Forum, so uh, mm. that's the that's the MI workshop. Basically, it's at the same time, uh, you know, kind of basic, you know, kind of pretty much overlaps. So I'm going to be going there and and um, presenting there instead. That's Chicago. Chicago this Is that year. Right? Yeah. 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 Yep. Windy so. City. But um, all right, mate. Are you, well, that, speaking, are you speaking at it? Yes, I am. Yeah, I, I, I we, no, no. We've created a, a um 
a symposium actually that's that's called something like behind the mic in front of the camera how to bring online content creation into your mi training oh, or something really? like that that sounds super yeah because it's a it's an mi trainers conference so it's it's sort of a lot of it is about how to you know little ideas around training you know how to train mi and you know kind of that sort of stuff so gotcha um, i mean well is... the cm the cms is informed by mi oh yes i i i have presented that to them before at that those conferences yeah just trying to say cmas as much as possible CMAS. so it becomes <laughs> so it becomes embedded <laughs> yeah yep buddy i realize the time i sure i'm sure you've got um important things to to do so um it was great to catch up yeah no awesome stan and uh, uh really we'll have to do a uh, talk post symposium yes waiting two years and uh, reflect on how you experience the keynote well, well yeah that's a good idea we can do a little session and, and i can reflect and i like how you're um sort of you know, under promising there, and and we'll we can over deliver, <laughs> over deliver, rather than saying, let's do it next week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Built in a buffer, a little, little buffer there. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. All right, mate. Well, great to talk to you. Awesome, Stan. Catch you soon. <laughs>